Listener Production. Shares, Market. the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that, unlike beer and cigarettes, is still the same price, cheap as chips. I'm Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. He is Andrew Page from strawman.com. How are you, mate? I'm very good, sir. How are you? I'm very well. You are in different digs today. Yeah, recording remotely uh, at the uh, the Ausbiz offices of all places. You're a busy man, mate. Andrew Page is everywhere on Ausbiz. <laughs> Talking about small caps this morning, I understand. Yeah, there was a there's a small cap uh, conference. So it was uh, yeah, good fun. Yeah, Very just good. talking about the the why and the how of of uh, and and the thrills and spills of small cap investing. <laughs> ah, so we've, we've done some of those over the uh, the past months on, on this podcast, mate. But uh, I'm going to assume you threw a podcast as uh, podcast a straw man reference or two in. Oh well, you've got to. Of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> Did or, anyone or, ask you what strawman.com is? No one, no one had the good grace to do that, what my friend. What's wrong with those people? You obviously, have, I, I don't know. There's obviously a different contract with Osbys than the one you got with me. I, I, That's I exactly right. Because yes. uh, we all know that, that Strawman is a um, uh, nah. <laughs> private online investment club. Oh, I wasn't going to ask, but thanks. Um, there you go. <laughs> Just helping you out. Yeah, thank I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, so, yes, Andrew's audio might be a little bit different or no different at all. He's taken the gear with him, which I really appreciate, mate. Thank you for doing that for our listeners. Um, let's Let's get right into it, mate. It's been a <laughs> – I feel like a broken record. A big week in macro is what I was going to say. I was like, I think I've said that 17 out of the last four weeks. Um, it, it's, it's, that, it's that type of environment, that type of economy. Some big calls this week. I'll start with a simple question. Were you surprised that the RBA jacked interest rates? No, but that's not because I had it correctly forecast. I just don't <laughs> play that game. Right. Um, the market was I, very, I, very surprised. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we do this dance um, pretty often where mm. we get surprised and go, oh, no, now, now tell us what's going to happen. <laughs> and they say something and then something else happens. And we go, oh, yeah. I was surprised. Well, okay, now tell us what's going to happen. Yeah. So it is, it is what it is. Um, but oh, I, I think... I scratch my head around a lot of the commentary. I think the coverage is extremely poor out there (laughs) of these interest rate decisions. The media tends to too often just Mm. go to the, let's get, find someone on Facebook and talk to them about how their mortgage is harder to service or, you know, there's there's just like, there's more, to my mind at least, there's bigger, more fundamental questions that that Mm. just sort of sail by. Um, So yeah, that's, that's always frustrating, but yeah. Did you, did you get a shock? No, <laughs> and and if, almost for the same reason, I wanted to make a slightly different point than you did. I, I <laughs> this is not your observation either, mate. But when the art, when when the when the professional guesses get it right, they say, "See, I was right. Look how clever I am." And when they're wrong, they say, "Well, it's the RBA's fault. They're wrong." I'm I, I'm yeah. right. If they don't want I, I thought, then I would have been right. And they would have been right. But because because well, I was wrong. Then. If, Actually, they're wrong. I'm still right. And that was just, a, it's a really nice way to be able to spin this one that no matter what happens, you get to pretend you're the guy who's or the girl who's right. I, you know what I really was surprised about, mate, was that the bond market, the commentariat had priced in almost exactly zero chance of a rate rise. Mm. And I just thought that was just straight out silly, quite honestly. I mean, aside from anything else, absolutes are not very helpful. The chance of anything happening. It's never zero, right? There are very, very, yeah. very few things that are always absolutely going to happen or never going to happen. Everything else yeah. is somewhere in between. And I just thought, given the RBA had said there may be need for further rate rises, 
they they telegraphed the fact that it was possible, not not even necessarily probable, but you know what the market, the stock market fell one percent, the dollar rose one percent. Uh, most economists apparently were surprised by this; that they didn't expect it to happen. And I just thought it, it, the surprise itself. Not that I not that I knew either that it was going to happen. Uh, I did I did think it was probably maybe even probable just on the balance of probabilities but that kind of you know 55 45 not not 100 or zero like most people seem to pretend is is possible or likely it just really fascinates me and again no surprise you said before but just the fact that the market was so for people who deal in probabilities <laughs> so absolute about this sort of thing you just you're really surprised i actually did go back to matt by the way and there was a survey done by some organization that was reported in a couple of papers back in april after the last rate decision the pause and they said at that point, 11 out of 27 economists expected rates to go up this month, 16 mm-hmm. thought they'd be on hold. It seems to me the groupthink kind of took over in the, in the following four months because we went from not exactly 50-50, but not miles off. If two or three of them had changed their mind, that's a, that's a 50-50 call, to all of a sudden everybody believing somehow that it wouldn't happen. It was definitely not going to happen. Not even that it wouldn't or, or mightn't, but it definitely wasn't going to happen. I just yeah. I find that I, I, maybe I shouldn't be surprised anymore. I was surprised. I really honestly... I just think when you're when you're that absolute about anything, particularly an unknown decision by some very very human people, it wasn't even like it was data driven. Like if the number is more than five, then this, or less than five, then that. It was just so people sit around a table and say, "Do we think it's right or wrong, or do we think it's right to raise or hold?" It was always going to come down to to object, a subjective decision making. Yeah, so, to pretend yeah, you're 100 so- sure about that is bananas. Yeah. So, I mean, well, one, forecasting is the art of saying what will happen and then explaining why it didn't, which is um, a favorite saying. <laughs> I love it. Spot on. The other thing is, I think in in the industry, it's better to be wrong with everyone than risk being wrong by yourself. And this is true of fund managers in general. So, if you put all your money into a stock that everyone agrees is, is fantastic and it goes wrong – you don't get as much blame as if you're the one who's out on a limb and everyone That's else is so saying it's, it's bad. So there's so there is comfort in that. And yeah. and I think that's the same when it comes to economic forecasts. It's just sort of like not not many of, of the pundits really copped much because, well, mm. we all thought that, right? Yeah, like it, right. Was, it right. was an understandable sort of quote unquote mistake. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's all pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I thought one thing was interesting, Lowe's uh, comments... Uh, in the wake of it, there was one thing that he really sort of stressed, and he he was he sort of said this before, but he wasn't. I didn't feel as though he was mincing his words much, and we've talked about it as well. Mm. Which is, he was saying the government has to do more. Yeah, um, come on, guys, you've got to help me out here. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chalmers then came out and sort of made a few points as well, mm-hmm. saying, "Yeah, it's a, it's a really big challenge," and. You know, I think one of the things he, he sort of, you've got the budget obviously coming up and said, oh, well, there is pressure for welfare payments and all this kind of stuff. And he said, well, we can't do that because that's that's going to, well, hinted that that's going to be harder to do because of inflation. Mm. But again, I kind of think, like, honestly, of all of the mechanisms that might be driving inflation, is it really welfare payments? Are they are they are they the driver of structural inflation in mm. the economy? I'd, I'd probably suggest not. Um but yeah, as I as I say, it's all very peripheral. It's all very what about me specifically? What happens? Um, and the end of the day as well, there's the RBA's got other things that it, it is somewhat tied to the largest capital. Well, somewhat. It is very much tied yes. to the largest capital market in the world. It was very widely speaking of accurate predictions oh. that um, 
the US that was uh, was going to to raise, which they did. They did overnight as we're recording this as well. So even if the RBA would have preferred not to, all else being equal, as that interest rate, what they call the differential spreads between the two countries, that can have very dramatic impacts on the dollar, on our right. dollar. Yeah. And that can have very big impacts on our imports and exports and, and all the rest of it. So mm-hmm. they, they are their hands are really tied to, to some degree. And again, let's remember the core mandate here is inflation. It's, it's, it kind of gets a little bit tricky to not do anything when that's what the job entails. And inflation is running hot at 7%. And we are, if you were to sort of take a very broad view of history, what are we at now? 3.85%? Yes. That is that is below the long-term average. Right, these, right, are, right. these are not quote-unquote normal kind of rates. So if you're not lifting rates in this environment... If not now, when kind yeah. of thing? Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I think that's. I think that's. Well, <laughs> I mean, there's so much wrapped up in that. And how far do you go back? And what should rates be? And it's a whole. I mean, that's a massive, massive, massive uh, can of worms. I. I don't. Oh, man, I mean, so there's 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 a thought about monetary policy, which is it's a a function of inflation to some degree, and you know, just above or just below inflation are very different things in terms of you know what what the cost of money might look like. More than that, though, I think it's to my mind, at least anyway, it's a question of what sized impact the RBA is having on the economy per. You know, percentage point of, of rate change, and so people talk about the seventy percent rates in nineteen nineties, and you say, okay, well, if you if your house cost about a third uh, as it does today, then your rates can be effectively not exactly three times because there's compounding, but just for the sake of fun of it, um, you know, multiples of the current rate, and your repayments are actually less or less taxing than they would be today. So you know, eight percent in in nineteen ninety. It was much, much more serviceable than 4% today, for example. Mm-hmm. And so there yeah. is absolutely, I think it's worth just mentioning, I know you know, you know this, but for our listeners, it's just worth mentioning that kind of differential there. It's not just the rate, but the size of the debt upon which that rate is applied when it comes to the, the interest rate repayment. So part of it is, you know, are we, are we still historical lows? Yes. Not historic lows, but low, lower historically than average? Yes. Uh, do I expect that's actually going to be a permanent feature? Probably, yeah. Short of house prices or asset prices more broadly falling and be refinanced and, and repayments being a lower percentage of our incomes, which is not going to happen, let's be fair. Um, but, uh, that, uh, you know, in that circumstance, I guess you could say, yeah, again, 3% in 1990, tiny. 4% today, pretty tough. And again, different directions from those numbers change the, change the score pretty quickly. So yeah. I, think it's worth, I think it's worth calling that out. Yeah, uh, that's very true. Yeah. I, last thing probably on that for me is... I think we know the impact on individual households and I'm not going to I'm going to try not to be a broken record and just say that while ever the governments do nothing then the reserve bank feels like it's left to do everything and that's mm-hmm. to your point about the size of the rate increases we've talked before about the people it hurts and people who get away with it you know you, you can get 5% on your on your savings right now so there's plenty of people out there saying hey happy times I'm you know I'm out there spending because I can because I'm earning a fortune uh, other people doing th- things very differently and saying, "Well, hang on, yeah. I'm getting smashed here," and I feel like I'm the I'm not the only one, but you know, I, I'm I'm being not singled out either. Some people are saying that they're not being singled out. This is rates have always been the tool, by the way. So let's not pretend this is a new problem, but it is an issue that is being magnified because of the lack of policy action everywhere else, including in the structural budget balance. Yep, uh, I agree with all of that. Um, another point I wanted to make was. Um, 
one of the comments that Lowe really hammered home was the concern over what they call labour productivity, which is mm. just really just the output per hour of work. It's gone nowhere in three years, um, so there's there's been no productivity gain. So why is why is a central bank governor talking about that? Mm. Well, he made the point. This is this is where my head starts to break a little bit because he's making the point that productivity growth offsets inflation. Mm. I 100% agree. Yep. Of course it does. Yep. You know, we, you and I are in a village. We're catching fish with our hands. You can be out there all day. Maybe you'll get one. I invent a fishing line and then I can get a lot more. Then you invent a net and you get a lot more. Then yeah. I invent a trawler. You know, technology is Mick Dundee deflationary. TNT and throws it in the lake and the barrow money floats the top. <laughs> There's an old reference. Bit, bit of crocodile um, Dundee for those who are old enough, yes. Yeah, nice. Um, so here's the, here's the head of the central bank saying – this and it's just like yes that is that is absolutely true and yet there's some massive disconnect mm. over a broader arc of history where okay productivity gains haven't been huge in recent years but what's happened over the last 30 years are we are we more productive as a society as an economy i mean this is the period of which the internet came into its own right correct uh, correct and you know yet, what's interesting, the, uh, mate? Can I, can I jump? You know, I've yeah, the internet yeah, yeah. before, and, and we're not actually disagreeing necessarily. Apparently, uh, one of the it's a Paul Krugman made a comment that he thought the internet would be less productive than the fax machine or something. There's some famous quote oh. that gets tried every now and again. It might have been him. I, I shouldn't mention those without being sure. By the way, anytime he says anything, discount it pretty heavily. Well, anyway, well, but continue. Well, no, what, what was interesting is that actually, if you look at product, it's not, it's not because of either the fax machine or the internet, by the way, but the, the productivity during the fax machine era was actually better the productivity during the internet era thus far as measured by economists, which is just not, and, and, and you know, it's, it's, neither, it's neither true nor false that it was the factory that caused or didn't cause it or the internet that caused or didn't cause it. I think the bigger issue is right now, despite the internet, we can't get productivity up. That, that, that bit, I think, is probably the frustration for most serious economists going, how is it possible we have the internet and yet we can't boost productivity as a, as a factor above what it was pre-internet? That's the frustrating part. Oh, so much to say. I mean, a lot of it depends. I mean, Australia is very much what they call a service economy. Yes. You know, we don't yeah. make a lot of stuff, but we do a lot of stuff. Yep. And that's harder to get productivity. I mean, great. The classic example here is you're a hairdresser, right? Yep. Like, how do you improve your productivity? Well, you go a bit faster, but there's a very natural limit to that. You can't, unless you're Edward Scissorhands or something, <laughs> speaking of throwback references, you know, it's very, <laughs> it's very, very, very hard to do. If you're making uh, nuts and bolts in a factory, you know, the, those, those industrial processes have come a huge way. There's a lot of right, gains, right. productivity gains to be made there. So we kind of extracted a lot of that. And I think that there's a lot of gains to be made in terms of um, just general business efficiency. I mean, look at a small business, for example. I mean, back mm. in the day, you had to do everything yourself. Now I can just get a subscription to Zero, MailChimp, yeah, right. Salesforce, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, probably a hundred, two hundred bucks a month in costs, and I have access to all of these things that I'd have to build or manually run myself. I mean, if, if that is not a massive boost to productivity, I, I, I don't know what is. The point that I was going to make is, is that there's, there's, I don't know what, I don't know what you want to take from this, but in, if you look at the last thirty years, um, wh where we have had, in general, very big productivity gains, the Australian dollar's purchasing power has halved. So it just it just struck me as a what's the word for it? It just it stood out that the central bank there would be absolutely acknowledging the correct thing that productivity offsets inflation, and yet there's a there's a massive elephant in the room in the sense well how come we haven't seen that? 
How would you square that circle? I don't know. And I don't think economists know either because I think that's absolutely the challenge, mate. And, and by the way, that productivity number I mentioned about faxes and internet, that's actually American data rather than Australian data. So it's not just here. Um, I, <laughs> I think that the big issue to your point is the service economy issue. You know, mm. nurses, hairdressers, whatever's. Um, you can hook fourteen people up to a machine and a, a robot nurse, or you can, you know, put your head under a, a bowl and hope that the robot doesn't not, you know, nick a vein while it's cutting your hair. Uh, by the way, those both things will probably happen at some point in terms of you know solutions. But you're right. The, the, the it's it's very hard to some someone who's required to do a certain number of tasks per hour, like nurse a patient or cut a, cut some hair. Very, very, very hard to get productivity gains from that. And so yeah. the more the more a, an economy is a service economy, the less by definition. You're going to get productivity gains. Now, there are robots who are going to be, uh, you know, laying bricks and building houses, and so that's going to replace a bricklayer. There'll be there'll be productivity there, but that they're big, big, big things, and they're displacing workers, which has probably always been productivity. Really, um, mm. think about production lines with cars. I mean, you know, it's it's always it's, it's an aid, but it allows more things to be done per unit of work. That's exactly what productivity is. It's more output per per hour work. That's how it's designed or defined. So, yeah. I don't think it's a. I don't think those things are bad. I think they're harder to come by. Um, and I think it's a structural ongoing problem. And I think that's frankly a reality of the Western world. I also would say to your point about international trade, most of the productivity gains, most of the growth in standard of living has come from uh, you know, importing deflation from Asia and well, actually just yeah. Asia really. Um, think about computers, cars, uh, textiles. You know, the, We didn't get more productive because we moved T-shirt manufacturing from Australia to Bangladesh, but T-shirts all got cheaper. And so our standard mm. of living rose. And that masked, I think, some of these changes. I think we kind of remember for, you know, despite machines for, for centuries and centuries, productivity wasn't really a thing. I think to assume that we can always get X percent productivity growth just because we want it to be true, I think with, a, with any sort of long view on history, very, very hard to believe, in my opinion, that we're going to, that it should be taken for granted that we can just do it because we'd like to. We should always try to, because that's absolutely how standards of living improve. But I, I don't think we should assume it's necessarily always going to be the case or easy to get. No, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's not a straight line. It tends to sort of right. be very jumpy and that's that's how we should expect it. Yep. I quite, just quietly, I, I think we're about to see probably the biggest jump in productivity in human history in the next 10 years. Oh, just, that's uh, just a quietly. massive call. Back that one yeah. up for me. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I. The more I've, the more I've gone down the rabbit hole, the more bullish I am with with AI and what wow. it does. It, it is. It is going to be something that is full of hype. We're going to see a lot of failed experiments. We're going to see a lot of big promises that aren't delivered on. But That's at the same huge time, call. yeah. Well, I mean, I just I see it. This thing is these large language models. They've been out for less than a year. GPT four's only been out for what three months, not yeah, even yeah, right. Yeah. And you've now got people who are coding games in an afternoon who have done a six-week course on Python, yeah, right? right? Like it's not, it's not, yeah. they're not, they're not yeah. tier one blockbuster games, but that it, it, yeah. the, what you can do and uh, with one person, I don't think it, people are too binary in their thinking. It's just like, oh, this will replace all the humans. Not one. Mm -hmm. It'll just replace eight out of 10 humans. And you'll have two humans that now have an army of, of, um, you know, bots that don't need to sleep don't talk back, don't get sick, <laughs> don't only, only, only cost of electricity and a bit of subscription fee. <laughs> you know, whether you're in a law, you know, they will do discovery for you. Whether you're in, uh, in our game too, they will scour the share market and look for things that you're looking for. Uh, you know, uh, with your encoding, I mean, technology is just huge. It's a massive employer now. And now I can, I can do so much with so much less 
it's I'm not you know it, it's easy to be hyperbolic with this, mm. but if this uh, and and when and when this is like the internet in the sense that it's a very uh, uh, broadly yeah. applicable technology. I mean, we've mm. talked it before. You name a sector that doesn't require some kind of IT technology, they they just don't mm-hmm. exist. Mm-hmm. I suspect in the decade or two to come that that'll be exactly the case. That if you're not using AI in some way, shape, or form, yeah. you're, you're you're really missing a trick. And, and and frankly, I think hairdressers will use it because I'll just call up and I'll speak to a machine that'll book it in for me and do the scheduling and then mm-hmm. do the books mm-hmm. at the end of the day. They won't be cutting hair, but they'll be doing that. So the yeah. small business operator that had to pay a bookkeeper or do that for themselves or you know just it is. It is these things always sound like you're wearing a tinfoil hat, and it is it, technologists can sort of run ahead of themselves, and and things probably may not. I don't think they will land in a lot of the way we would expect, but the potential is there. But then you know, careful what you wish for. That's going to boost productivity massively. Maybe that'll be great for inflation. But then then you've got what does it do for unemployment? Right. Um, the hope is, of course, is that all these new jobs that we haven't imagined yet emerge, and and let's see if that's that's the case. But it's it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be a very wild decade, I think. I am going to take the other side of that, mate. Um, not, oh, yeah? not 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 that I'm going to be negative, but I think we I think we might have in 1994 said the same about the internet, and I just think that the the, the following 25 odd years didn't give the productivity gains again. Not 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 improvements in stuff but measured productivity gains that we, I think, honestly, I think you and I, if we'd have been shown the 25 years of the internet and gone, oh my God, that that's a thing. Well, obviously we'll be, you know, working four hours a week or not, not loving like being hyperbolic. I, 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 I'm just not yet convinced that that, I think the counterfactual is useful. Imagine how much mm-hmm. worse productivity would be without the internet right now. So, so, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure you didn't improve things. I'm saying, Overall, writ large, totaled up, whatever the qualifiers I can think to put on there. Um, you know, there, there is there is no, there has been no trend change, no no change in the shape of the of the curve for productivity because of the internet. Now, AI yeah. might be the same. It may still it may still overcome what otherwise would have been negative productivity growth or no productivity growth at all. I would just, I would just not. Again, I think both are true, right? The industrial revolution, huge productivity gains. The internet. No measured productivity gains overall in an absolute sense. Now Why? both those things are true. I, I just, I'm just not. I'm not sure that we should bank the gains from AI, assuming that that they'll add to what's already a reasonable or okay level of productivity growth. Therefore, boosting it to stratospheric levels. Yeah, I, I look at it. I look at it differently. So there's no. Um High counselor of the economy that says to businesses, you must use this. Yes, true. Every business uses some form of IT technology yes, in some yes. way, shape, or form. And not just a little bit, a lot. It's a core. If the internet goes, anyone out there is running <laughs> yeah, a business, ask what would happen if the internet <laughs> went down, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. why have they done? They're not yeah. doing it because they're just tech geeks and they think it's a cool tech and they want to support it. No, they're doing it because they get real benefit out yeah, of it. Correct. And that's been the case on every single industry on the planet of the earth, yes. on, on the planet of the, on, on planet earth. So <laughs> that's the apes so, you're thinking of, and that's a whole different yeah, future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, well, we could be headed there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, um, the actual listening to this podcast laughing at us. That was silly here. Uh, but, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so yeah. It just, I find to me that's the signal in mm-hmm. in all of the noise here. Mm-hmm. I don't know how how economists are possibly measuring productivity to say that the internet hasn't mm-hmm. been a net positive on on that front. I I would suspect there's 
there's a lot of different forces pulling in there. And if there is any sort of flat, I, there'd, there'd be a measurement artifact. I'm just guessing here because just just from first principles and just basic reasoning, given that, given that everyone has decided to use it, I mean, unless yeah. people have decided I want to work more yeah. and therefore I'm going to use this thing or I'm going to switch over oh, and it's just going to give me the same, why would I Why would I do it if there's no gain? And, there's not, and it's not just a little bit of a gain. Generally speaking, these kinds of disruptions, you need to see a 10x improvement to, to move away from the incumbent system. Yeah. So t- to my mind, it's just sort of like, I, 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 ch- I look, I don't, I don't mm, know the data mm. you're quoting, but it, to me, it, it seems very surprising to say that that, that world changing technology hasn't been a, a, a big plus for productivity. Yeah. No, no, but I guess, I guess that's my point, mate, is if those things are true and yet the numbers don't, sh- the aggregate numbers don't show that then at, at best we can say that as long as, as much as we're true about the, the rise of the internet and the improvements wrought by that, it has filled in a hole that otherwise would have been there. And that's, that's all I guess, I, that's all I want to say. Because there is, you know, we, we can say, well, the internet's obviously done these things. So it must have. See, so look, they said, well, show me the numbers. Well, you can't see it in the numbers. Okay, well, then what's the explanation? Either we're wrong about the internet or the, the benefits have been either so diffuse or have made up for other non-benefits or, or, or costs that the net result is not meaningfully better. There, there's no meaningful productivity mm. growth over the last 25 years. That, that, would, that should have been allowed for or accounted for by the explosion of the internet. And so I guess I just, my, my only point about AI is if you take the internet example, uh, you know, the fact that AI will make things better, easier, higher quality, simpler, more productive in those individual job tasks, it may or may not flow through that the economy gets a, a gross benefit from that because the internet was, to my mind, at least one possible analogue of what AI might do, which is individually at task level, amazing, can't imagine living without it. But at a total economy level, show me the show me the benefit of the internet in in the GDP numbers, standard of living, uh, productivity, wages per hour, all those things. It's, it just doesn't. It's not there. So there, there is no. I'm gonna I'm gonna things. I'm gonna have to dig into the the, the methodologies used here because yeah. something seems off there. I suspect they're not measuring value that 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 we would. I mean, the, yeah. you know, some crusty old bureaucrat in Martin Place might not see any value that uh, I don't know. Pick a crazy example: influencers might have, but yet yes. here are, are they productive? Well, they're doing things that were impossible to do before, and they're earning squillions of dollars. So something is there, and may, maybe someone felt as though that's not worth including. I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to sort of yeah, no, I'm yeah. trying to square the circle here because to me, I, it just it I don't see yes. how it doesn't and that, improve. And that's almost exactly my point. That that precisely is my point. That mm. we haven't actually seen those results. It, it, productivity has been missing for twenty years. And you go, how is it possible in the internet age of all of all ages, right? You know, how is it possible we've had this thing called the internet? There's Netflix. There's podcasts. There's everything else. Um, I've done the podcast necessarily in the top two, but you know, it's the first I can come up with. Um, mm. For for all of that, there is no there is no obvious growth. And I think I would actually suggest, mate, probably that we talked about this. I think last week it was uh, that you know value is necessarily measured in dollars and cents all the time. And I do wonder whether mm. our lives are meaningfully improved and yet there is no meaningfully incremental output because of the internet, for example. Um, yeah. We have more, you know, if we listen to podcasts rather than music on the radio, is it better because I get to choose which podcast I want rather than whatever the radio plays me? Yes. Is that, is that measured in any meaningful way? Probably actually a net negative because the podcast's free. The, the radio, you know, the, the radio has, has advertisers and sponsors and staff and, and technology and these type, you know, there's probably, it may just be that our, standard of living has improved without GDP having improved, frankly, is one possible uh, answer to your question. But it, it yeah, is- it's a, measurement, it's a measurement problem. Probably, You're yeah, right. right. So, yeah. so, but I guess that's yeah. the thing. If we talk about productivity in using the capital P word, 
the internet has not delivered a step change in productivity as measured by the total economic output numbers and the way that bureaucrats, econocrats do define these things. I think that's, that's, that's almost exactly my point with AI. Not that the world won't be better, not that jobs won't be easier, not that quality won't improve, just that. And maybe I might be, I'm not even saying I'm right. I'm just, I guess I'm just using the analog of the internet to say there are times when a breakthrough technology, which you know was invented in Star Trek and Isaac Asimov, all of a sudden comes true and not much change in terms of the total economic output. It's like, oh, that's it. Wow, that's kind of, you know, un- underwhelming. If you're alien, you're like, they didn't improve anything at all. They had this great thing called the internet, nothing much improved, at least the way they measure it, which I think yeah, is well, that's, that's why I point. say it's a measurement product. That just does not pass the, the so-called pub test. I think anyone anyone who makes a statement that says the internet has not improved things, I think no, 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 but you need to be careful. You need to be careful. Comp- you need to be careful. No one's saying that. I'm talking about productivity specifically. Not improvement, just productivity as measured. I don't think the internet has improved productivity in a in an aggregate sense. That, well, that's what I I'm guess saying. I, I would challenge. I, I, yeah, I hear, yeah, I guess I would challenge anyone who holds that viewpoint to go start a business and decide not to use IT. I mean, good luck. <laughs> if you think that there's no incremental productivity boost to you as you're in your organization to turn your back on all of those things, if you if you can do, if you can do that and and still be as competitive as everyone else, have at it. Have at it. All right, let's move on, mate, because speaking about the pub test, oh, mate, I have um, I have almost run out of rantiness and anger, but I've got a little bit left, which yeah, our, our listeners are going to have to suffer through because um, God love our politicians. Uh, they have never found a problem they couldn't possibly blame someone else for, while at the same time feeling absolute sympathy and empathy for us poor voters who deserve so much more and we're so hard done by and they are just, they just, they, they bleed for us, mate. They cry for us. They are so, so sorry, but it's that guy's fault. Uh, mm-hmm. And that that defines this week in, in I was going to say economic commentary. I'm going to call it political commentary because it's not like economics coming to bear. Uh, Adam Bant, the Federal Greens leader this week, uh, said the RBA was using households as cannon fodder. And Daniel Andrews, the Victorian Premier, said the RBA was very wrong. They made mistakes, mate. They shouldn't be putting rates up. Everyone knows they shouldn't. And as much as I uh, value Daniel Andrews and and Adam Bant's commentary on all things economic, uh, I am therefore now going to completely devalue it because I don't value it in the slightest. The... Look, politicians are going to politic, right? It's what they do. And I get that and you get that and the listeners all get that. What I actually really hate about it, mate, is the fact that it's really, really detrimental to economic literacy. And it's not new and it's not the first time. And for those who have written this this week, for those who want to say, well, I'm a liberal stooge or whatever, the Libs left an absolute basket case of a budget deficit when they left power. Um, they implemented or, or legislated stage three tax cuts were going to make the budget deficit worse. So I'm, I'm an equal opportunity critic uh, in this case, I'm not standing for anyone's particular set of rubbish. I just really, really, really... And by the way, there's some, also some political commentators and a, not so economists, but economic commentators over the last week who are doing similar things. And I just find the... I just, you know what I really hate is when democracy is undermined by stupidity and lack of... Taking advantage of people. Like the pub test is a good example, mate, because... It's easy to say, the RBA is killing mortgage payers. Yeah. Okay, so let's get the RBA. Yeah. But that's not the whole conversation. That's just a very cleverly constructed part of a conversation where you say the only two elements here are RBA and households, one versus the other, and then therefore it's bad. 
And I just really gets up my nose, mate, because there is monetary policy, there is fiscal policy, there is inflation, there is, frankly, a cost of doing nothing as much as there's a different cost of doing something. And none of these conversations are being had by people who, frankly, I, I probably shouldn't expect more of them because politicians are going to politic, as I said. I just would like to expect more from serious people who could say, actually, I have a policy that I think is better. Here's why I think it's better. The RBA is not the devil. Uh, here's the circumstances that we're in. We're going to have to find a way through this. Here's a nuanced, thoughtful conversation which outlines the pros and cons and gets us somewhere. And I mm. just am bashing my head against the proverbial brick wall, mate, because it's, it's, just, it's just dumb and it's, it's not right and it's, it shows either a willful disregard for or a complete misunderstanding of or lack of understanding of economic reality and economic theory. And I, I don't think it's, it's not even unchallengeable. But have the conversation about the assumptions and the decisions and the interactions and the outputs. Don't just do the demonise that guy. I mean, Chalmers loves it right now. He gets to blame Philo for all the problems. Then he'll sack him and say, you're welcome, Australia. I solved the problem for you. Phew. Glad we got rid of him. Now we can get on with things. I, I just, mate, I, I don't know. It's driving me very, very, very nuts right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, what do I say to that? Yeah, you're right. I mean... <laughs> The, the incentives are going to lead to the outcome, right? Yeah. Good example here might be what Albo did um, on the weekend with a certain wedding that he attended, oh, right? Now, a oh, lot of people advised against that. Must that must be focus group to hell, mustn't it? Uh, no. I, look, I, I think the calculus, it, it seems like why would you do that for? Where is the political upside right. on doing that? And I actually think the calculus makes sense if you want right. to take a, a really sort of cynical view at it. There's the people who are going to vote for... Anthony and not voting for Spud, right? Like yeah. you'd have to you'd have to see some pretty some, something pretty extreme for them to sort of s switch over. Yeah, right. So they're kind of like at least, you're on, a bit the, of an at least idiot. on the extremes. There's a swinging middle, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay, anything and maybe that that sort of uh, changes things. But then I'm going to go kiss the ring of the emperor here because there's <laughs> 140,000 people that listen to this guy every yeah. every week. Almost, he's, I mean, he's even challenging our audience, right? So this is how mm. this is how influential mm. he is. Um, and you think, well, that's does that offset whatever I might lose over there? Now it's it's very craven, it's very cynical, but there's a, there's a certain calculus to it. So there's whenever you see things that don't seem to make sense, there's probably just a different framework that you need to to look at it through. Now I could I could say in the case of what you're railing about, and by the way, I shake my fist at the sky as much as you do on on this. Mm. But the poly that comes out with a nuanced, complex answer <laughs> that talks through all the trade-offs yeah. doesn't win. Yeah. Remember John Houston tried to sell the yeah. GST. <laughs> you got old birthday cake. I mean, he's, he's he was super smart guy. Yeah, I got a lot of yeah. time for him, right? And 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 I really like him today still as well. But it's just like it was politically, it was a nightmare. What he needed was a you know stop the boats kind of little mantra, a nice little soundbite that the media can pick up and run with. People can interpret it as itself. Now, which one's more satisfying to anyone with half a brain? Well, it's obviously a nuanced, <laughs> complex answer. Yeah, it yeah. just doesn't work though. It just and that's not being critical, saying half a brain. People are just busy and dealing with their own stuff yeah, in life. Right. We know, know to really be yeah. across, yeah. you know, everything that's happening in, in politics, and then to be an expert in all the subject matter that that, that, um, that politics influences. It's just too hard a hill yeah. to sort of climb. So we yeah. trend. We trend towards the basic. We trend towards the easy, and. In terms of what matters for the the incentives for for the politicians, it, it absolutely makes sense. So there's mm. your answer. <laughs> it's a really unsatisfying one, but that's that's the reason, right? I so one of two things that obviously is true: either past politicians were stupid, 
and or or it actually does or could work again. I, I don't want to do the rose-coloured glasses, nostalgia, get off my lawn when I was a kid stuff, but I will because... And, and pick your political adversary, pick your political hero. Paul Keating, Bob Hawke, John Howard were conviction politicians who made difficult changes by convincing people those changes were worthwhile, had the discussion, had the debate, won the argument, in, yeah, put their policies in place, and I would argue in almost all those cases, the country is far better off for it. And I, I have to believe either they were lucky or stupid because the opposition didn't do enough and opposition's plural not the current opposition or the current opposition party opposition didn't do enough uh undermining of white dancing so maybe maybe it was that maybe opposition were just more generous maybe the politicians were stupid to try they should have just said oh who cares let's just do the easy thing anyway but they didn't right there, there was a there was a time when when serious policy conversations were had and serious outcomes were achieved and it wasn't that they weren't populist in their own ways of course they were that's that's politics but you know we, we had some serious policy implementation serious policy conversation um uh, you know sell, selling the gst against an opposition who said the gst sucks you will pay more this is a horrible horrible policy i mean you know just just again i, I don't care whether it's howard or hawk or creating which party it was or even which policy it was just that idea of here is a policy it is a sensible policy it's a worthwhile policy we are going to implement it we would like you to vote for us please and we did i mean man i, I has, has that much change mate other than the lack of vision, effort, guts, gumption, conviction of our politicians? Our opposition is just, just more cynical and sarcastic and effective? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm, I may have mentioned it in a recent pod, but I, I think it's the, the changes to the media landscape that are to blame. Back right. in the day when there was a much more centralised media, that mm. their in, the media's incentive was to shoot for the middle because you wanted right, the right, biggest right. audience possible. The bigger audience, the more ad revenue. Is that simple? Mm-hmm. Now we're on. Now we're on the internet, <laughs> and and now you get to curate your news. So the 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 aiming for the middle isn't the better strategy media wise now it's aiming for niches it's aiming for various different verticals within that yeah fox is the absolute classic example of that you know say what you will about their reporting yeah. and i don't like to be sued so i'm not going to say much um, <laughs> go on but the business has been no, no, it's on our podcast do it do it yourself in your own time yeah, no, i'm not going to do it um <laughs> But but business wise, it's been a pretty successful strategy, right? Mm-hmm. They they sort of own that that sort of space, yeah. and so I I I, I think that you. I, I think that's I think that's a big part of the equation. Mm-hmm. It is how it is how a single person or a party communicates with so many is through the fourth estate, mm-hmm. and now that is just a very different machine with different again incentive mechanisms, and I think that's a big part to answer your question not everything but i i suspect it's a it's a very big part of that and you're seeing i mean this is after the last election right what was what was the um uh calculus what was the analysis the prognosis after the fact mm. it was actually we need to go more to the right from from the opposition yeah yeah now you that's counterintuitive but i can see where they're coming from i mean i don't agree with it but i can see <laughs> i can see where they're coming from right yeah, yeah it's all very depressing it is, mate. It is. I don't know how we fix it other than I will keep ranting because that's what I do and hopefully some of our listeners will pay attention. Hopefully you'll tell your friends, um, not because I'm right actually, but because I could be entirely wrong just because sensible, thoughtful discussion is is worth more, hopefully, to you and to us um, than, than sound bites and Kyle Sandlin's wedding as much as I always do, but he made up. <laughs> Love you, Kyle. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. 
Let's uh, let's move on, mate. To well, so we're talking about rates here. Rates in the US went up overnight. We're recording this on Thursday morning, another quarter of a percent. The US Fed did remove the reference to future rate rises. So not not promising a pause, but they did remove that that reference, which is new for them. Jerome Powell, the US Fed chair, uh, also said that he now thinks there is a chance of a mild recession, and I think it's worth. I think it's worth calling that out because A, it's some honesty from a central banker. B, and I'm going back to the well a little bit here, but we've said before, uh, uh, central banks believe, and I think they're right, that sustained high inflation is worse than a recession. And we've been conditioned to believe that a recession is the worst thing. I mean, short of a depression. Recession is the worst thing. Everything else must be better than that. And so every other policy will be calibrated to avoid a recession. And I just think I've been saying for is it a year now, uh, maybe more than that, actually. Uh, I don't don't believe it. <laughs> it's not true. Not only, not only is it not true objectively, but the decision makers don't believe it's true, in which case they're going to make decisions accordingly. Uh, a recession is not worse than sustained high inflation, believe it or not. Uh, it sucks. Mm. People are going to lose jobs and businesses. Some will lose houses. It is awful, but more awful, more widespread, more significantly painful is long-term high inflation. I just thought it was... For the first time, I think we have a really clear, um, he didn't exactly say those words. By the way, I think Phil Lowe has almost exactly said those words. So listen to Phil Lowe as well. But Powell saying, I am increasing rates and there's a chance of recession at the same time is should, should be the last thing we need to say on the topic, or at least the last argument needing to be made. That not only is it likely true, but that's exactly what the central banks are thinking. Yeah, it's horrible. I, I, I really have an issue with it. You need to lose your job for the greater good of society right. is something that sticks in my crawl. I, I, I find it a very, I know it's a blunt tool on the rest yeah. of it, but that's what's being said. Yep. And, and it's generally the less well positioned that, that have to suffer there. So right. I, I, I find it, I find it a really horrible kind of thing that needs to be done. Is it just reality though, really, you think? I mean, isn't that I, I, like it's I, the reality I, under the system we've got? Absolutely. But, but, I mean, but, these but are all driven system by is capitalism, right? I don't, I don't think there is a, I don't think there is another alternative, mate. I guess I, I think it, I think our job is to make sure we look after the people who are impacted by it. I don't think there is a world in which everyone has a job who wants a job permanently without inflation, for example, almost by definition. Because if there are more jobs to go around than people to fill them, guess what happens? Wages go up, wages go up, price go up, prices go up, wages go up. Eventually, that creates the recession. That then makes people lose their jobs. Even without even without the activity of, again, go back to pre-central banks, right? Go back to pre-Keynesian economics. Late in the 1800s Australia, balanced budgets, no central banks, big booms, big busts. I, I just, I don't think, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I, I guess my, my, my pragmatic uh, thought is just that for all of that, we haven't just created a system where that happens. The system created itself where that happens. We now try and manage it well or badly to, to minimise those impacts. But it's not like someone said, so what we're going to do is create central banking and Keynesian budget so we can put people out of work. I, I think that, to my mind, is the... Uh, the, the only alternative is you have a, somehow have, have a circumstance where we can have full employment forever with no consequence. I, I, I don't see... I don't, no, think we, I, don't, yeah. I don't think we've created that system, I guess, is my argument. I think the system happened... Well, I mean, we as a society have, by the, by the iterative realities of, of the world we've created, it's that the world that's come about is through human action, so we have collectively... I don't think we've systemically created anything. It's, it's, it, it's been with us for as long as uh, the profit motive, as long as specialization, as long as speculation. I, I don't think we undo those things, short of communism. I think it, uh, 
it's often positioned that the there's a problem in the economy and the RBA comes in and tries to fix it. They don't do a perfect job, but they've got the right intent. Yeah. And I guess I would zoom out and say, well, actually, I would put a lot of blame towards central banks for creating the problem in the first place. But ultra, ultra easy. I mean, this is this is why we had all this malinvestment. This is why we had, is why we've now got inflation. We just, there was money just sloshing around for any any kind of stupid business idea or mm. meme coin or NFT or God knows what uh, rubbish that was kind of out there. That was all, I think you can draw a pretty straight line between central bank policy, ultra easy money, relaxed standards, all the rest of it, and the problems that that inevitably caused. And would that happen in the absence Mm. Yeah, would there be cycles in the absence of that? Yeah, I think there would be, but I think we we tr- in in trying to um, avoid them, we end up making them worse. Mm. I'm 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 very much of the view that there's naturally always going to be these kinds of things. But yeah. if you're going to fail, fail early, fail small, sure. fail often. Don't don't wait until it's too big to fail. Quote unquote. It's systemically important. Banks you know, quote unquote, where he's just got you, 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 which get to that way because of these policies, maybe directly or indirectly. Mm. But I think, mm. I, I think that's, that's where I sort of, it, it, it sort of sticks in my crawl. Um, mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm being unfair. I don't think you're being unfair, mate, but I think I'm not, I just, I'm not, I, I, I think at best you make the argument for it being unnecessary, but probably no worse in, to, to my, to the best of my, I mean, we don't know what happens next, right? We will know in five or 10 years, the answer to your, the point you just made. Because we're kind of assuming that we're making things worse than they would otherwise be. I don't, we don't really know how bad that otherwise would be. But I also would say over the last 20 years, we have far, far lower unemployment than we would have had net, net or num- you know, per, per unemployment, unemployed person per hour or not worked or whatever whatever the right metric is. I'm thinking about, you know, the, the plane seat miles. kind of that, you know, if, if you measure the number of lost days of work over the last 25 years, I would, I, I'm reasonably sure we've got fewer of those than had the GFC actually blown up unfettered. Um, and caused large unemployment. Had COVID taken unemployment to fifteen percent, which was the the kind of forecast by not not just the you know knucklehead banks, but the central bank and treasury and others. Um, I, I think we know that that. Well, sorry, I shouldn't say that. I believe that the damage has been less than would have otherwise been the case had those things played out without safety nets and support. It yeah, but might, those might things those things start. I mean, you 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 got to go back even further, right? Like the 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 GFC was again a consequence of of uh, failures elsewhere. Mm, mm. So yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's it's this is the natural thing with with capitalism. We we need what's called the term is creative destruction. Mm. You know, it's mm. it's it's when things fall away because they're not economically sound. You know, they deserve to sort of follow and they'll be replaced by something better and so on and so forth. And we, the progress sort of gets made that way. So we have very good intentions, but no, we don't want that. It's like trying to protect the horseshoe makers mm-hmm. when the car's just been invented or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense, yeah. right? We yeah. don't want them to fail. Think of yeah. all the jobs, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But it, it, it's, it's, as I keep coming back to, it's, it, it's not that I disagree with the intent. It's not yep. that I'm a, a absolute free market, free will, and every, anything mm-hmm. goes capitalist. I'm, I'm not. There needs to be guardrails that, that, are, that are put out there. But I think mm-hmm. the, 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 just the irony of ironies is, is, that, is that in trying to wrap ourselves as a society in, in cotton wool, we really only just make things worse. I mean, it's like raising kids, right? You can shield your child from <laughs> every kind of challenge in yeah, life, right, right, right. and they're going to be happier for it. And guess what? One day they're out yeah. in the real world, and they're going to get the shock of their lives you you need a little bit of 
you, you, yeah. you know, what is what is what does Munger say? It's like capitalism without failure is like Christianity without hell, right? It doesn't it doesn't work. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. You got to have that fear of failure. Do, yes. will, will failures still happen? Yes, they will. But you know, people will be far less reckless going into it. People will be far more uh, cognizant of the downside. Mm. So this is you've got to embrace. You know the 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 bigger philosophy here, not just cherry pick it for the parts you want, and it's why we do. We get the we get the capitalism on the way up and the socialism on the way down. We get yeah. we get a lot of distortions, and and these distortions uh, can 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 be good for a time for mm-hmm. certain people, but ultimately, I think we all we all suffer as a consequence. Except that I don't know. I, we'll probably we'll probably wrap it up because I think we're probably in danger of repeating ourselves. But I, I just I'm not sure that I, I think I think for better or worse. Well, actually, well, let me let me try and I, I would speculate that humanity is very very good at. at so let, let's go back to pre central banks, pre Keynesian budgets, right? So Keynesian budgets, for those who aren't uh, not uh, up to with the with the nerdy economic terms, um, Keynesian budgets were surplus and deficit budgets, right? You spend a bit more in the bad times to cushion the blow. You cut, recover a bit more in the good times to slow things down and to pay back some of that debt. That's generally Keynesian economics. And monetary policy works kind of the same way. Lower rates when things need to push, higher rates when things need to be restrained. That idea of the counter-cyclical um, in, in in budgetary terms, they call them the automatic stabilizers because they kind of kick in when things are bad. So taxes, tax income tax collection goes down, social benefits go up, and the reverse happens when things get better. So they're automatic to some degree, and the monetary policy is more more. Um, it's a choice rather than rather than automatic, but for the same reasons. I I would speculate, mate, that at, at best, but also at worst, those things smooth what is the eventual long term result anyway. Just as there were pre both of those things, and the I picked the late eighteen hundreds because I know a little tiny bit about that, uh, having done a bit of economic history, but not, not all that much. I'm absolutely not an expert, so uh, don't take any of my views on that in nineties Australia with, with, with too much with too much confidence. Go and do your own research. Um, but I, I, I guess so. My, my my general thought is, you know, for whatever to whatever extent they move stuff around, I think at worst they make it no different. They just they just move the the dominoes. I don't think there's an argument to say that we would collectively have been worse off overall had central banks not been there, or frankly better off overall had they not been there. Their job is to fill in the troughs and kind of top off, lop off the peaks a little bit. And I guess, I, I you know, to, for all of the, I think at, at my argument, again, you, may, you may entirely disagree. I think the worst that the anti-central bank or the anti-Keynesian policy people can say is you are playing around for no benefit, but no cost. I don't think you can argue there's a, there's a net cost to that in the same way that there's no net cost to a, a late 1800s recession. It's just the size of the problem, how long it lasts and how long it takes us to get back because the booms are bigger and the, the bus are smaller and add those two together and you kind of end up in the same place, I would argue, because money is money is money and let's not get into that. But, uh, but in terms of, you know, but in terms of, you know, but the, the offsets are the offsets, right? When, when there's a bad, bad recession, no one spends. When there's a boom, everyone spends. The total amount available to be spent short of capital creation is not that different. So I guess I'm just arguing that over time, that's kind of the point that, that there's there's only so many so many resources to go around. We can price them however we want, but I get my share, you get your share, others get their share. I don't know. I, I just I don't I can't find an argument where it says central banking is a net negative over an extended period of time. Maybe be positive at worst. I, I think it's a not net negative, and maybe at best it's no net positive. I think its its job is just reallocation on, on temporal lines, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I made the comparison last week. It's communism, right? Because it works great right, exactly. on paper. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I get the argument. Until this it, is what we do. But yeah, again, yeah. I'll just come back to the facts. It's yeah. like they don't do that. The governments do not um, go into surplus when 
uh, times are good structurally. Yeah, you know, it, it doesn't happen. It, yeah, and and yeah. and when when authorities step in, they're stepping in generally to save the yep. the, the best position. Yep. <laughs> generally, what happens, right? GFC was, yeah. I mean, the big short was just such a brilliant movie, but they really just nailed it mm -hmm. at the end. And they're saying, oh, what's going to happen with all of this? Like, well, nothing. The bankers will get their bonuses. One dude in Wall Street went to jail for some stupid thing, you know. No one copped anything for that except the working class. They they copped it. So where's, where? you know what I mean? It's, it's sort of like, I get what you're saying in theory. So if we had some super advanced AGI that could do this, mm -hmm. could look at everything, could make the proper correlations and mm -hmm. act with absolute impartiality, yep. I think, yeah, okay, now now I'm a little bit more interested. But we yeah. don't. We have fallible humans doing it. We have humans that are subjected to various, again, incentives. Mm -hmm. uh, we have people who have far more access to those to those people with their control. And, and it just tends mm -hmm. to be that, that, that when there is suffering to be had, through the excesses of the economy, that why have, whether or not then that's fueled by central bankers or not, there's one group of society who wears it all, and there's another that just sort of watches a nominal sort of paper loss on a portfolio for a little bit of time before that's reinflated again. It, it, it's it's mm. just it's a nice theory. I get it. It just <laughs> I haven't seen any evidence for it working. I just I'm haven't. Not, I'm just not sure that the alternative is possible, though, mate. I mean, you talked about the fact that some people have to be unemployed for the system's sake. That's going to happen if you if you remove central banks and Keynesian economics tomorrow. There is still a bust that's probably bigger. There's still a boom that's probably bigger. People will still lose their jobs because businesses will fail. We don't. We don't. I, 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 even if you're critical of the way that monetary policy and fiscal policy is implemented, I don't think there is an there is a solution which is not the same outcomes for the same purposes, short of as you say, you know, the perfect paper system of communism or some sort of socialist utopia. Um, for as long as we let market forces do their thing. We we don't you know it's a bit like it's a bit like interest rates and inflation right inflation just happens but but a man makes interest rates happen so he's the bad guy uh, I think it's yeah, kind inflation of the same doesn't just mind. doesn't just happen though so that's, no, what, that's what I mean thing. is we don't Let we don't have a person to blame for inflation or we don't say it's your fault you stop doing that thing whereas we say to Phil Lowe you're making my home loan more expensive can you please stop and that, I mean just in that context of we somehow as a society accept inflation because it's because it's disembodied uh, I guess I'm just making the argument that. If we say, well, it's the current system says you have to lose your jobs, so the rest of us are okay. All I would say is the alternative system is you will lose your job, and the rest of us will be okay. <laughs> you know, there, there may there may be less, there may be fewer people to blame in air quotes for that outcome, but we're not going to change the outcome. There's, there is no system. But the, that the blame the, the blame in that instance in that scenario will be from an un. Uh, economic model or business. You lost your job because the business yeah. isn't is. That will always viable. be the case because we've always had. That's that, that fine. Was, that's what's fine, the, but what's the difference? Other, other than a moral, other than a moral superiority, the same number of people still lose their jobs. I mean, it doesn't, because, it doesn't because matter you, who we blame. Because that viability can be masked a lot longer under the current system, and has been. Let and me give you a great, get, very, let me give you a very topical example. <laughs> I can't believe, by the way, this is, I, you know, this. Yeah, know. Gosh, I'm looking at the clock here. This is dangerous <laughs> territory. <laughs> and you're at start something else, which I always yeah, appreciate. But, but, Go on. Uh, the, like, so, like one of the biggest things that's happened in the world um, recently, just getting zero coverage which is the collapse of uh, First Republic, right? Yeah. Yep. So we have had, and this is really nice dovetail into what we were just talking about. Yeah, so this is, so we have had three of the four biggest bank failures in US history happen in the last three months. Hmm. Um, it, it's, a, it's a big deal. There was a lovely chart I saw on Twitter, which just plotted all the bank failures in the US. Hmm. So, and, 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 and there's a couple of things that stand out. Obviously, there was a lot in the GFC, 
but there were a lot of sort of smaller ones with a couple of big ones thrown in. Yep. These three that have happened more recently are bigger than all of those combined. It feels like it should maybe make it into the top half of the news. I don't know. Call me crazy. It, it, it feels as though that, that should happen. But the other thing that stood out from these, these analysis, analyses is that actually bank failures, regional US bank failures are a very common thing. Happens every year. I think there's a background rate of four to five, mm. six kind of all the time. It's a good thing. And they're all little dots on this chart. So like big deals for the shareholders at the time, they all got wiped out. And, you know, frankly, that's the risk of investing and my, my heart feels for you, but that's that's what should have happened. Now when things happen, they happen on a much grander scale because we have tried to stop those things from happening. So again, we we your, this is your point, right? There will always be failures. Yes, there will. What do you want? Massive systemic <laughs> things that d d d risk the structure of everything we've got yeah. or that some shareholders for a small regional bank in the US got it handed to them. Yep. And it both sucks, but I know which one I would prefer. Yep. And I know that I don't want to have to wear the consequences for w poor risk policy in Utah oh. from a board of 12 people. You know, it just it 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 just seems it just seems as though it's that is is the issue. It, you tend to th see these things sort of centralizing, getting more dominant, more structurally important. And guess what? were the solution to the first republic problem was J.P. Morgan gets to buy the assets at a song yeah. cents in the dollar. They had to come out afterwards and said, "Yeah, we're going to make what is it five hundred billion dollars this year off this trade." And, and there was a law in was a law in place that said if you hold more than ten percent of national deposits, mm -hmm. you can't acquire. Right? Where there's there's we yep. like there's too much power here. And you know what? The first thing to go in in emergencies are those kinds of restrictions, yeah. and and that's gone. And the the other things is that bubbling. What I don't think many people realize is that all of these issues are kind of the same. Whether whatever bank you want to sort of point to, they're, they're failing for the same kind of reason. Mm. The, there's, a, there's a regional bank ETF in the US, which is down something like 35% year to date. It's down 50% in the last year. They've all got the same problem. Yeah. They have all 100% got the same problem. And the scale of it is, is, is frankly really, really, really scary. So again, um, were these always going to fail? Yeah. Now in hindsight, when we sort of look at how they were structured, what they were investing in, who they were taking deposit, all of these kinds of things, it seems super obvious. And we kind of, and we kind of, um, in trying to fix it, which I, you know, I suspect we're gonna we're gonna make that we're gonna make that worse at some point. It's the the, the classic analogy here is we've been drinking all night, hangover starting to come on. Well, let's drink some more. And we'll push it off, mm -hmm. and it tends to work, right? You know, hair of the dog kind of thing. But ultimately, that hangover is going to come, and it's going to be a pretty nasty one. I, I, w I would suspect. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to agree, mate. I, um, I'm more than happy for First Republic to be absorbed and, and stop another GFC. We saw what happened back then, and I think if we can if we can resolve it, and we resolve it, is there is a the solution perfect? No, I think it's just less imperfect than letting people hang for it because I think that's the reality, right? Is for all of the bankers who didn't go to jail during the GFC, and I completely agree with you. For all of the, the auto bailouts that weren't deserved by the investors and the management teams, I agree with you. The fact that we probably kept hundreds of thousands of people in jobs, I'm a, I, I think that's you know I, I'm a, I'm pretty pragmatic at that level. Is the system ideal? No, would I change it? Yes. 
am I pretty happy that governments and central banks make sure that there is no America-wide bank run because four banks went broke? Absolutely. I, I would take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday, mate. If JP Morgan get a little bit bigger is the cost. I'm no bank fan. I don't own any banks. I don't think I ever have. Uh, I certainly don't own JP Morgan or anything else. Um, I don't love bank competition, sorry, concentration, including here in Australia where it's a ridiculous oligopoly. I think those things are all absolutely 100% true. Um, I probably just, not that you're not, but I, I, my starting point is just pragmatically, what's, what's, the, what's the best economic outcome for people? And I think, you know, while we say, well, little guy cops at the neck, he absolutely does. But if little guy also keeps his job in, in you know, six figure numbers because they you know, bought some of the bought some of the uh, bank uh, the automakers or let the banks merge. I'm okay with that. Uh, again, the the problem is that the the regulations that should go with that don't, and so it's not it's an imperfect solution. Not because they bailed them out, but because like in 2018 when Trump rolled back the banking regulation that would have probably meant Silicon Valley Bank was better regulated. You know, I think I think the the, the problems and the solution can be different things. I think it's also mm. true to be. I think it's possible to say. You know, does it suck that it had to happen? Yes. Is it a perfect way to resolve it? No. Is it better than letting it fail? In my mind, a hundred percent yes. The the missing piece is, you know, what do like like post GFC? What do we now do to make sure this never happens again? That that question never gets answered because we all move on too quickly. Yeah, I guess I guess my point is it's not over. Um, here, here's the other interesting thing too. So if you go back, history is just full of examples, and this isn't to say this is how it went down before. So this is what's going to happen again. It's yeah. the whole history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes, it rhymes kind of yeah, thing. Exactly. Pick a pick a major financial crisis of whatever mm. choice, whatever flavour you want. Modern history, and you will find examples of of the most uh, influential, connected people. In, in with the, the, the ability to make policy and do that, saying, mm-hmm. oh, it's fine. Literally a month before things just, we like you, Ben Bernanke was there, you know, a month before Lehman Brothers went under saying that, that we might get a mild recession. Everything is fine, you know? And, and the, the, reason, the reason they look so spectacularly wrong is because you're up against forces that are just, they reach a point where it's just, you just can't do anything mm-hmm. about it. And we, we kind of paint ourselves into this situation. And I think, you know, here's here's a very interesting data point. Take take this as as you want, mm. but I think of all the people in the investment world who we'd say are pretty level headed and long term thinking. We've got Charlie uh, Munger and Warren Buffett. Heard of them? Now, very long term holders. They're selling down the banks. Charlie yeah. Munger was on uh, CNBC, I think it was earlier this week, saying that there's a whole bunch of trouble brewing. This, he, he's 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 not someone Chicken Little, right? Yeah, he's a very exactly. stoic yeah. individual. That's right. And that's he's right. he is saying, yep. not only is saying there is something to worry about, but we're taking our money out. And these guys yep. don't sell often. So that that to me is like that's an interesting signal. Signal. Yep. The other thing Charlie called out was the huge amount of commercial debt in these regional banks. Mm-hmm. I think regional banks account for seventy percent of commercial debt over in the U.S. And these, as we said, I think again, we're repeating ourselves here, but they're in in the. Um, it's a very capital intensive business to build a new shopping center or a block of mm-hmm. apartments or office, and, and you've and your income is your rent, and your cost is a big part of your cost. Ongoing cost is interest. Yep. Well, your interest cost has just gone up. Five tenfold, mm. and no one's no one's there because everyone's working from home, and they are getting and they're the size of the liability on on banks' balance sheet there. Now it's not mark to market, 
Um, so it's not as obvious. In mm-hmm. fact, even the bonds that we can actually just look over there and say that is what that bond is worth. A 10-year treasury bought in 2020 is now trading at 40% of its face value. Yep. We know that, but it's not showing up on the books because of an accounting mechanism that says, well, no, this is self. We've talked about all of this before. Yep. Yep, yep. But you factor, in, you factor in a flighty deposit base, which is very easy to, 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 to leave these days, a click of a few buttons. You factor onto that massive provisions needed and and actual loss. Let's, let's call it for what it is. It's a loss, right? You can call it whatever. It, the, the money's gone at, at, at this point in terms of I, the only, only if you also Only if you also record a gain if they hold it to maturity. I, I, I've no, I just well, I don't buy it. I thought about that more. I don't I don't buy it. You, let, let's say you bought a 30-year bond a couple yeah. of years ago yeah. and you say, no, it's fine. I'm going to get paid back. You'll get paid back. Yeah. So why is the market discounting it so much? Because the, 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 the reason is that no one's paying par for it because obviously they're not paying par for it. I can get better. I can but, get but you, better. But you term. get par at the end of the term. Like thirty years is a long time, and I'm, I'm not trying to sway. Exactly, exactly. So it's, it's, it's no solace to, year, to say. Year bond. But let's say it's a one year bond, and it's now forty percent. But you still get your hundred dollars back in a year's time. Yeah, but no, no, no one year bond is trading at a forty. No, but you know discount. what I'm saying. So what's okay? We use, okay, you use thirty years. Same thing. You get your money back yeah. at the end of thirty years. There, there is zero chance you don't get your money. back. You get your nominal money, yeah, but, but that's back. what it's worth. So here you go. You can't take a here you go. Here you go. Balance sheets aren't balance sheets aren't aren't inflation adjusted. What what's the value of that bond? The asset I hold. If I got hundred dollars in my back pocket, I don't have to I don't have to say I own only ninety seven dollars because inflation happened, or ninety three dollars yeah. this year because inflation happened. I mean we don't we don't inflation adjust assets on on balance sheet. They're held at nominal value because that's exactly what they are. I completely agree with you that they're worth less if you sell them today. But if you don't sell them today, that's I mean you can take a loss now as long as you also let companies write up a profit and say hey look I just made fifteen million dollars because I held it to maturity. And you you would say at that point that's not a real profit. They always held that. It was always the case. I just I I'm, I'm okay with the marking down if we want them to. I'm just I'm just mindful you do both at the same time. You can't mark down a, a market based loss now and then not write up the a market based profit when you eventually sell it or sorry you hold it to maturity and get your money back. The money is okay. the money is the money at that point. I'll give you I'll give you an example. So um, you've got you've, you own ten percent of a of, of a small startup yep. business. You know, it's, it's crossed certain hurdles. You know, it's, it's it's looking like it'll stick around. They've got a commercial product out there. They're growing, but they're capital hungry. Mm-hmm. Now you own ten percent of the business. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, borrow that ten percent off you. Mm-hmm. In thirty years' time, I'll give you that same number of shares back. Are you interested? Now. I would suggest under this scenario, where it's a very high probability that there'll be, in fact, the company's stated aim is to dilute, right? Mm-hmm. Because they need to raise extra capital. You might get your, whatever it is, 10 million shares back, but you, where you own 10%, you probably only own 2%, 1%, half a percent in 30 years time. Right. That, we, 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 that, that is, it is, it is, we can't gloss over that fact. The market's hyper aware of that. Now, that's anyone a, that's holding a different, that's a different thing. That's long term inflation, right? Bonds aren't worth less now because of inflation. They're, those bonds are worth less because interest rates have gone up. If rates come back down again, those bonds will be worth more again. Yeah, but interest rates have gone up because of inflation, right? It's circular. Yeah, but, but they'll go back so, down again once inflation's over, and then we'll say, look how much money they made. You don't have to wait thirty years for maturity. Inflation when, is never over. When when have prices ever gone down? They do not go down. Okay. Fact. When, when the inflation Fact. rate when the inflation rate goes back down. Mm-hmm. Interest rates will come down. When well, my purchasing power down, is down by thirty percent, and then it'll, rates it'll plateau down, at those, that point. Okay, are you going to let me? Are you going to let me claim <laughs> that a bondholder in two years made money because interest rates came down? Because that's exactly the, the bond prices aren't down because of inflation; they're down because of interest rates. 
the, the right. inflation thing, your point, I was saying, I meant when the inflation crisis is over, inflation's always been here, always will be here, has always, like, it's, it's forever, right? Bond prices don't go down because of inflation. They go down because of interest rates. So that's the change in rate that drives the bond price down. When the bond, when the inflation, when the inflation crisis is over in whatever number of years, for whatever purpose and whatever cause, and the Fed says, we're done here, rates that are now five to five and a quarter go down to three to three and a quarter, bond prices will go back up. They, that's how it will work. Like that's how they're mm -hmm. priced. And at that mm -hmm. point, if you're happy for me for, the, for those small banks, say, look how much money we just made. We're geniuses. How clever are we? See, we're fine, and bank that as a profit. Then, then I have no com no issue with your with your view. But you can't but say they have made oh, a wanna, profit. This <laughs> is what it's worth now. If you say they've got a market down, they will be making a profit. If the hundred dollars is now worth sixty, and in two years' time it's worth eighty, they just made a twenty dollars profit in that year mm -hmm. when the when the rates move. Yeah, and they can mark that they, up at that point if they've got a market down now. Yeah, yeah. I'm no, I'm no problem. With it. I mean, that, it's just it's just it's a mirroring of reality, right? That's what has happened. Think about think, think about what you all your balance sheet says is what you own and what you owe. Mm, and the thing mm, that mm. I own right now is worth this much. The market's telling me what it's worth, and uh, that will change. Priced at, what it's priced at. What, what it's priced at. But that's that's what if I want to turn it into money. So there are no shares you own that are going to be worth more in the future because the market's right about all those shares. And so in fact, you're actually no. worth less than you were worth. And you should liquidate it all now because that's what they're worth because that's objectively priced. Uh, no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I'm saying if, if I if, if I want to turn around to my accountant this yes. year and say, no, I haven't really made a loss because I don't intend to sell. Yes. You know, like they we're just like, well, okay, well then you but show me the money. Show me the money. Put the money on the table. I can't. I, it's not there. Oh, but it will be there. I mean, there there are you know, <laughs> and, and don't forget this is different from someone who is for someone. Who is 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 um, storing the deposits here? The interest, the virtually interest-free loans that we've all provided to the banks have been reinvested over to that. It's like, hey, I want my money back. This is this is what happened to Sil Silicon Valley Bank. I want my money back. Uh, it's not there. Oh, it says on your balance sheet that it's there. It's my yeah, but it's oh. it's actually not there. Like that at that point, it's extremely real. Is the market right? Is the market wrong? Was the intent right? Was the intent wrong? It's yes. gone. Correct. It's gone. It's not there. It's physically Correct. not there. And this is, as I'm saying, this is this is not one or two small, tiny regional banks. This is, you know, as I said, the, some of the biggest collapses ever. Mm. People like Charlie and Warren worrying about this. The money literally today, who anything could change tomorrow. Today, it's not there. Mm. It just seems like something that is to sort of say that, well, we we brokered an extremely favorable deal to a very big political donor. <laughs> Problem solved, don't worry about it, move on. I'm just less sanguine about that. And I and I feel as though you you gonna you're gonna get everything from the don't worry, it's fine to the we're all going back to Mad Max, you know, Fury Road <laughs> type thing. And both extremes are crazy. But I yeah. and I'm certainly not trying to sort of be chicken little here and say the sky is falling. No, I, know, I just I, I find it really noteworthy that mm. when I saw that, um, I think I saw it on Twitter at first. I'm like, oh God, I opened up mm. the AFR. You know, it's like you had to really scroll to find it. That was, that's in a financial publication. The news that evening wasn't even mentioned. You know, it just, I, it, it, it strikes so. me as odd. I see, it didn't strike me as odd at all, actually. I, I, I gotta say, I, I, I think I might've said in different forums, maybe I haven't, uh, I think I have radio or something. Uh, I'm actually not surprised because the size of any commentary on, on an event is its novelty and the uncertainty and the risk. And I just, mm -hmm. I, I guess I, I was kind of like, I think it is how I'm really honestly, because 
we're, we're in a, given given the market's response and reaction to it because you know it's the 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 reality is no there's no bank runs there are no you know the market is convinced rightly or wrong, it might be wrongly by the way but I don't think anyone's like okay first public sure it went broke okay well that kind of sucks for those shareholders but that's kind of what we expected to happen and the Fed's dealt with it uh, JP Morgan bought it the crisis averted. That there, there, mm. there is no headline because there is no crisis. I think that's almost, to my mind at least, you know, it's 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 the same as everything. Every, every the first time something happens, think about even the COVID crash, right? First month shares down thirty eight percent. Three months I was like, oh, oh yeah, COVID's still here, but economically we dealt with it. It's not as big a deal as we feared it might be. So not so much crisis averted as in there's no more shoes to drop. But the impact of those closures, the seizures by the Feds, uh, the Fed to, to take it over and you know effectively find a buyer in this case, JP Morgan. I don't know. I, I almost felt like it was not news because there's almost nothing to report. I mean, it was it was a thing that happened, but no one's hurt by it. No one's worse off. The problem was solved. There is no crisis. There's no run on, as in literally a bank run. There's no contagion. I, I kind of thought that was why it wasn't reported because it kind of like it was a bit of a okay, another one down. Okay, well we know how it works. We know what happens. And we know how to fit, deal with it. So it is what it is. I, I, I and I don't mean that to sound flippant. I just I kind of felt like yeah, it happened, but. It just—it wasn't consequential, I suppose. Maybe that's why, to my mind, anyway, that was why it wasn't reported, and I didn't really think it was that big a deal that it wasn't reported. Yeah, we get—we get we get used to things very quickly. Yeah, so in Silicon exactly, Valley, yes, bank, yes, when exactly. happened, you right, know, right, that's it, what it's sort of, yeah. It was a big deal, yeah. and then, Credit and then we said, oh, it's over then, now, yeah. it's finished. Yeah. Oh, and then another, and then the second biggest bank failure in history. Oh, yeah. okay, now it's dealt with. It's finished, and then yeah. the third biggest one happened in history, and then oh, okay, and then Credit Suisse, you know, and it's just sort of like, and yeah. and now here we are at this same, and people just get tired, and you're after clicks and again expect right, sort right, of right. what the media sort of does and I, I i kind of get that but i just i and again it's not to to be dr doom it, yeah. it's more just to sort of say man we're easily mm. we're easily consoled oh that's fixed now don't worry about it okay like oh but what about this other oh don't, don't worry, we're gonna fix that too okay tell phew me, that's all right tell me though why it's a big deal in the in the context so systemically right I, i'm not about the bank itself or even its size and i'm and by the way feel free to comment those if, if you need to i guess i'm just I'm making the point that as an Australian uh, investor, consumer, citizen, resident, um, the bank it was badly managed. The bank gets, you know, the bank fails. We find ways to deal with it. We all get on with our lives without any meaningful economic damage to the system, the capital T, capital S. Shareholders get wiped out of First Republic. Sucks for them. Uh, and again, I don't mean to be flippant to that. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, I mean, at some level, mate, really, like, I'm not being... I'm not being um, I'm not trying to look for a fight. Like I'm genuinely thinking, to my mind, the regulators have a solution. It was dealt with. Again, I'm, I'm. We have a unity ticket on. Actually, let's make sure this doesn't happen again. But to the extent that we can find solutions, um, so construction companies in Australia fail. Buyers buy the by the developments. It sort of sucks for people who are kind of caught in between. But it'll get fixed. It'll get finished. Um, again, not to make light of it, but it, you know, it gets resolved. Honestly, I'm I'm not too concerned about it in the context of the ability of the system to absorb that mm-hmm. is almost, I won't say it's a feature, not a bug, but I almost want to say it's a feature, not a bug for, for those reasons. What's your, what's your take? Uh, yeah, I, well, I think it absolutely impacts all of us. We're, we're all wearing it right now for these similar kinds of things. What, we, 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 everything is Everything today in 2023 is what, 15, almost 20% more expensive than it was a few years ago. 
That's how we're wearing it. We're wearing it right. in that very real way. Very but that, real but that's way. That's the cause of the failure, not the results of the failure. No, it's not. It's 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 all it's all connected. And and I think I think that is the problem. So what we what we are. <laughs> what we are essentially doing is that we are again socializing the losses through an extra dilution of the money so look look at the 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 um the debt ceiling debate that's happening in the US again, right? Again. And it's just like, it comes back, like, just square this circle for me like I'm a three-year-old here because I, I can't get anyone to explain it to me. But you've for decades been spending more than what you earn. You've been making up the difference with debt. Mm-hmm. The debt has now gotten a huge amount more expensive as well. You've got massive unfunded and off-balance sheet liabilities in the forms of all kinds of entitlements and the rest of it. Now, it's not a household budget, so those analogies aren't always helpful, yeah. but it's not a household budget because houses can't print their own money. It comes <laughs> back to the money. It just does. Now, if I'm wrong on that, tell me how I'm wrong on that. And it's like, we are, we will fix the mm. problem by poofing money out of thin air, mm. fixing it where it needs to be. But that's where you and I suffer. We all suffer because we've just been diluted. And that's- To, that to is you we don't get wage real. increases that match inflation. That's absolutely true. The, the gap, to my mind, the gap isn't the money creation. It's the- distribution of the value created by the creation of money. Yeah, but that's what money does. That's the whole point of money, right? But, like but, it if, is, it, but if, I, if I get paid 10% more, everything costs 10% more, then all we've done is change the denominator. It doesn't actually change my wealth or my income or my consumption. When, when there's a loss, there's a loss, right? You can't- you no, can't, a surplus though. You can't make that- No, if, I've, if I made an investment and it's gone yeah. bad- Yeah, but you paid someone else more for an investment than they paid for. I mean, the money doesn't go away or, or become created in that- in, in a transaction, governments aside, that aside, the, the you, 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 your money goes to someone else. The loss you make is because you buy something at 50 and sell it at 25. Yeah. But someone else bought it at 25 and someone else sold it at 50. The money, the money is just transferred from you to somebody else. There is no loss without profit, short, short of money creation, which is kind of what we started talking about. But there is no, there is no net loss to the system outside money being created or, 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 um, or destroyed, which never is, but assuming that it could be. Your loss is my profit. My profit is your loss. That's just how it works. So there, there is there is no net loss. Someone else has sold an asset for more than it's worth at some previous point. They were lucky, or they're buying an asset now for much less than it's actually worth. In which case, they've done well. The fact you're you've made less money is not inconsequential to the system. Well, when 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 the person who's took taken the loss is a very large pension fund, yep. or an insurance company, yeah, yeah, or a bank that looks after my money, yes. Then yeah, I absolutely feel it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah someone you, you out, do. someone out there on the other side of that initial trade is 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 happy. You know, yes, good correct. for them. Correct. But there is, I mean, this, I mean, but that's different. For, that's a whole different thing than the inflation conversation we were just having. Though. We, we were talking specifically about inflation. My point was, if my income rises at the same price as prices, the denominator changes, but nothing else changes in terms of my overall wealth. Transfers wealth happen all the time. That's a that's a very different point. That's not inflation related necessarily. It can be inflation can be a cause of that. But that's a very different conversation to whether or not inflation is a thing. Inflation is only a thing to the extent it changes the relative ownership of wealth. So why create money if we're all just going to square it off with higher wages anyway? Nothing changes, right? Yeah, it's it's temp- it's temporal. It's, 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 I mean, it's price. It's inflation generally, right? Because what, what does inflation do? Inflation again, similarly, transfers wealth from one person to another. If, yeah, you, have, if it, you have the pricing power, you get the extra money. If I don't have the pricing power, I lose the money. The money doesn't get. The money just gets redistributed. It doesn't get created or destroyed yeah where does so it get guess, redistributed to well, depends asset on holders yeah often yeah oh, always yeah always so it's, it leads to a concentration of wealth 
right? So, so yeah. it, it's, uh, a, it's a system uh, distortion, you know. It, 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 well, it is. It depends, though, it right? Because it depends only if the asset holders are the net. Uh, and we're getting it's pretty hysteric at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, if the asset holder is, it depends. It depends where the surplus of demand over supply sits. So you know, there there are IT workers out there who are getting paid forty percent more than they were two years ago, right? They are doing fantastically well despite inflation. Mm-hmm. There are nurses who haven't got a pay rise in three years. There are mm-hmm. asset holders who've got a lot of money. There are asset holders who own First Republic bank shares that are crying into their coffee. Um, you know, so it, it does depend. But you're right, broadly speaking, that if there is a if there if there is money, well, it depends what it depends where the credit money actually goes. <laughs> Again, to be to get really kind yeah. of in the way. No, it does. It, I hundred percent depend. That that's called the Cantillon effect. That's exactly right. You're yeah. exactly. I yeah. agree with you. Uh, but uh, it, it, goes, actually, it already goes to those with with yeah. lots of assets and influence. It just has. I'm not I'm not making a political no, statement. No, 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 it's, it's a statement yeah. of fact, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But and, and, and if we're happy with that, then cool. You know, and well, I would my, be happy if I was my, in the top one percent. <laughs> my, my pragmatism goes to though to, to that again back to the same point, which is if that keeps some people in a job at a bank or automaker or someone else, then there are there are ranges of outcomes which are the counterfactuals are never rarely talked about. Mm. So if you know if, if the bank gets saved and eighty percent of those staff find jobs with J.P. Morgan, and 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 and, and we don't have a bank run which destroys the system and whatever whatever, am I kind of okay with you know J.P. Morgan getting a sweetheart deal? Yeah, not because it's fair, not because it's right, not because it's appropriate, not because it's my preference, not because it just is sometimes the least worst outcome is the least worst outcome, and and that's mm. and that just needs to be okay because. I can be ideological and say, no, nope, screw JP Morgan, screw the system. They should all die because they all deserve it. And then I've got to look at the 40,000 people on the unemployment line and say, and you have to be in the unemployment line because you lost your jobs because those guys run the bank run the bank badly. But that's, that's what like, we're doing this the- full circle. That's what we're doing right now. This is the exact raison d'etre of the current policy setting is to force the recession so to get prices down. So well, we're able, be, to, be we're able to do it for that. Sense. We're able to whack the mortgage bill. We're able to yes. do that and that's yes. okay. But, take COVID, but in the mate. other instance, it's not okay when it's an investment banker. I don't. I just don't buy that because they're going to lose. The, they're going to lose it either way. Like the, if you if you can minimise the loss, if you can nurse it through, you know you can you can you can take the patient off off the drug tomorrow, and say good luck with the withdrawals too because it's going to really suck. Or you can say I'm going to dro- take you off the drug over, over two weeks and it's going to hurt a little bit for most of that time, but we'll get you through. You know, you can you can you can choose either of those if you want. Maybe you might want the, the quick withdrawal, and that's cool. Maybe you want the longer one, and that's cool. But I, the, the you know the reality is the if impact you create is going to be of a size and shape. And I'm glad during COVID that we spent a shitload of money. Excuse my language to to keep the economy afloat. Now we we spent it badly and recklessly. Spent and, it so badly, right? Yeah. But it, it had to be big, fast, and ugly, and it was because they needed to get the money in the economy. So unemployment went to five percent rather than fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. I like I'm I, I will do that I'll man, I'll do that a million times over. Even even with even with the bad stuff, right? If you said to me right then they could have taken an extra two months to design it properly or just get it done, I'm like, just get it done. Just spend the money. Mm-hmm. I'm no I'm no lover of Josh Frydenberg and Scott Morrison, as our listeners well know. Um that one they got right because they did a big fast and ugly to get the money out there to keep confidence going, to keep things okay. And mm-hmm. I, I'm yeah, absolutely I'm absolutely happy to say to those ten percent of people who otherwise would have lost their jobs, I'm glad you kept your job. I'm glad we've got some fallout to deal with now rather than the alternative, which was I could have been ideologically pure and said, oh, really sorry, COVID's a thing. We knew it was coming. We didn't know it was coming. You're going to have to deal with it. I really can't help. Man, I'd like to help you, but it might cause some side effects and you know, bug if I want to cause any side effects in a year's time. So just in case I do, I'm doing nothing. I, just, I, just, I think it's easy in hindsight to say, obviously that was wrong. Obviously we're in a bad place now. Obviously we should have done nothing. I think going through that, that, that something at the time 
is very much well worth avoiding to, to live to fight another day. I, I would do that a million times over. Yeah. I mean, there's more than those two choices, but I, I hear what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I, 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 I saying. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I completely, and I, I think we're at. Like, and there no, were things that were obvious at the time. I mean, the the, the, yeah. the some someone who's been on four hundred grand a year for the last ten years, yeah. and has seven different investment properties, and like you know, we probably I don't know, I think I, it was it's hindsight to say mm. that probably wasn't the person who needed immediate, swift, <laughs> and very generous government su- support, right? Yeah, correct, that, correct. That person's fine, okay. Yeah. And, and but again, it's just oh look, we're going to run out of we're already. Well, running we out did, of time. <laughs> that point was time ago just this is this is the universe in the world that we live in bad things gonna happen from time to time it sucks and i just the the irony is is that in trying to pretend that that's not true Mm. and in trying Mm. to make sure that we never ever feel any pain we end up just feeling more pain and it's all absolutely you're right it's absolutely in the execution um it just it just feels as though um, a lot of the things that we've seen in the past and a lot of the things that were happening right now in the world's biggest and soon to be second biggest economy, um, I just think are just massive strategic mistakes and that there, there is someone is going to pay the piper at some stage and unfortunately it's going to be the same people who end up carrying the care and I, I suspect. Yep, I don't think you're necessarily wrong, mate. I think that's, that's you know, that there, are, there are going to be implications. I think where we're both... <laughs> What, what frustrates where we have a unity ticket is on the appropriate regulation to make sure these things are done with a little pain and, and what's the right word for a uh, cynical side effect? Um, well, you know, it, it, yeah, it, it, serious people without um, being driven by ideology, ideology or selfishness or lobbying or all that kind of stuff, you'd up, you'd up with a very, very different scenario. We probably have 50 billion less of government debt for starters out of the COVID. Um, yeah. Support programs, which you know, it doesn't need to doesn't mean we didn't need to spend a lot of money, but designing these things a bit better is is a, a a disproportionate benefit, I think. Yeah, you can see some of these things coming a mile away. I mean, look at look at Albo's housing policy. I mean, for goodness sakes, yeah. what a joke that is! Know. You know, didn't work the first ten times, but let's try oh. that again. Like, is, 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 this, is this the one we buy with the friends? Uh, yeah, and and also extra <laughs> grants for you know, it just, oh, yeah, just doesn't. That. It doesn't. Here's my call. Here's my call. Um, within the year, we will see APRA reduce the serviceability buffer yep. and reduce lending rate, uh, uh, um, conditions. And it will be done under the kind of banner that you're talking about. It's like, well, yeah. it could be worse if we don't. And they're right. Yep. And they'll be yes. right. It was yes. like, yes. yeah, but that sucks, right? Like, it just, it just does suck. And, and it sucks yeah. not so much because at that point in time, that will be... The, the, the alternative is that, that is probably the alternative to go for minimized pain, but we didn't have to be there and we didn't have to get there because of, of the decisions that you made in the past that lots and lots and lots of smart people are saying this is not going to end well, it's not going to end well, and, and lo and behold, it's not. And, yeah, you know, just, I don't know, <laughs> at this point, at this point, I'm just shaking my fist at, this, at, at the cloud, but <laughs> we can always, I think these conversations are helpful because too mm. many things are given to us as explanations it's like well we have to mm-hmm. and is that true like well at this point it's true okay but but that doesn't mean that we can't talk about how we got here and how we can seek to avoid things in the past having a really crappy but not the worst um uh possible solution to a problem yeah. is is one thing but when it's entirely foreseeable and avoidable prior to that, that's the conversation that we need need to be having. Yes. Not whether should we should we do this or correct, should we not do correct. this. Yeah, I guess we should probably do it because what what choice do we have? But we didn't have to be in this situation where we're making this choice. 
Yeah. And frankly, someone like Charlie Munger or Warren Buffett in charge said, hey, design, design the system for us. I think we'd be in a much, much better position than letting oh, look, uh, Again, I'll just say, look what they're doing with their money. Yeah. Very good point. On that, following <laughs> the money, shall we end this podcast that's been on forever and, uh, and better, come mate. back on Sunday instead? Yeah, we, um, yes. Oh, so much to talk about. Yes, let's do it. Oh, dear. Look forward to, there you go. There's a tease from Andrew Page about what you may or may not hear on Sunday. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.